0: What is up, podcast fam? I am so excited for you to hear today's show. I really think you're going to get a lot of value. You're going to be able to cultivate more self-awareness, more consciousness to help you elevate your game to the next level, because you were born for greatness. You weren't designed to be mediocre. You are here for a reason. And it's time to tap in to that potential. And I don't want you to just listen to the show today. I want you to see what areas of life you can take action on to really elevate your game. Because like I said, you're here for a reason. And we need you at peak performance. And a lot of you have reached out in regards to coaching with me. And I am finally opening up the doors to my new 12-week transformation program where I'll be working one-on-one with you to take your energy levels, your heart health, your mental cognition to the next level. So if you're interested in learning more about this program and taking your health to the next level, make sure to visit www.thrivewithjeremy.com. I can't wait to see you there and let's dive in to today's show.
1: What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Stand Up to Sitting podcast. I am your host and chief energy officer, Jeremy Abramson. And ladies and gentlemen, Boys and girls, I am so pumped for today's show with the power husband wife combo, Julie and Dee Sharma. And Dee and Julie Sharma are the co founders of Wellness Coach, a data driven enterprise solution that promotes and fosters workplace wellness. As serial entrepreneurs, both Dee and Julie went through a period of burnout, which led them on a path to find better ways to combat stress. Be more healthy and live a purpose-driven life. Welcome to the show, guys.
2: Hi. <coughs> so great to be here.
1: Yes. Thanks for having us. How was that intro?
2: Very high energy. <laughs> yes. Thank you.
1: Yes, we're gonna balance all of the chakras, all of the energies today. And I wanna, I wanna start off kind of from that intro talking about the burnout that you guys were experiencing uh i'm just curious to know a little bit more about that and how it helped trigger this new creation that you you guys co-created
3: yeah you know it's uh when you're in it you don't realize day to day how life is you know getting crazy and how you're getting less sleep and how you're getting more stressed and So for me, you know, and Julie will talk about her side. For me, I, you know, after graduating from college, after from school, I just basically went on from one startup to another startup to another startup and had quite a a few successful startups, but it takes a toll on you. Mm. And especially the last one was like a global companies. I would fly to China for three days. I would fly to India for two days. I'd fly to Japan, like New York back and forth. And then at one point, you know, you're like, okay, you can't do it anymore. Your whole body's giving up on you. You're like trying to... Catch up on sleep on Saturdays, on week weekdays you don't have time to sleep, or you're between flights and all that. <laughs>
2: yeah, similarly. So I started working when I was 14 and it was just like nonstop work and school and university, straight into a huge career, and then becoming his wife, the wife of a CEO, flying around the world with him and doing a business on the side with myself. It was insane. And and it's the little things that you don't notice that you're doing. You're not sleeping enough, you're not eating well enough, and all of a sudden you reach a point where you're like, holy moly, I need to change this. And, yeah. And what's
3: interesting you know. is like, you know, now that we share our story, there's so many stories of burnout. It is like, you know, so many people went through this life change and I wish that people don't have to get burned out to discover meditation, you know? That's why we're we're on our journey. But, you know, for us, it was like, okay, we need some time out. Yeah. And we need to get, you know, get better, healthier. And we need to explore, you know, go inside and actually explore ourselves better and, you know, spend time with each other. So we took time traveling the world and sort of really getting back to our normal, you know, normal life, really.
1: I love that. Was there a specific moment where you guys looked at each other and were like, yo, shit is hitting the fan right now. We need to change something, or was it just an accumulation of all of the things you were describing?
3: You know, when you think about it, you always say, Oh, I should have done it sooner. <laughs> you know, always say, Oh, I should have taken a break sooner and I should have not gotten this far. But that's how life is. You know, You'd, at some point you'll say, okay, I can't do it anymore. And that's kind of what happened to us.
2: Yeah. Looking back, you know, we're like, okay, there were so many times when we were getting sick. There were so many times when we were bickering with each other and we didn't <laughs> realize how frequent it was becoming. So yeah, mm-hmm. hindsight's 20 Now I can look back at the six months before we made this change in our life, before we started flying over the world for meditation and not so much for work. And I'm like, okay, yeah, we should have probably noticed those signs. But when you're in the madness of it and you're in the chaos of constantly working, you don't realize it because you're focused on what other goals you have and not yourself.
3: Mm. And I also think like, you know, because uh, now we're a couple together. So when we go for work, we're together. (laughs) And before we would be not together. So we barely get time to see each other. Mm That takes a toll. So you're like, you know, you're you're hyper energized with some big work meeting you had. You come home, you're super exhausted because all the energy is spent, and you know, so you're you're really not spending that time with each other that you're supposed to as a couple. Now we're hyper energized together in a good (laughs) meeting, and then we come home we relax together. So I think that's the big difference that we we've noticed with each other.
2: Yeah, it's funny. We'll be working, and if we have like a nice win or we do something really cool or we get a nice huge client, we'll be like running to each other's office and like high fiving (laughs) in that moment. It's so cool to have that like instant work celebration as a couple, right? Not just like... like the whole day going by and then maybe coming home at night and then trying to catch each other up. So it's a cool
1: experience. It sounds like one extreme, (laughs) literally like (laughs) one extreme of no sleep, always fighting, like short on time, short on rest, short on temper. And then all of a sudden now you're spending all this time together. You're building this thriving business Mm -hmm. and doing it in a more peaceful way, I guess you could say. So talk a little bit about That transition. Like, I want to know, like, (laughs) when you guys made that decision, that conscious decision of, hey, we want to create at the time called Meditation Live, correct? Yes. So, what was that conversation like? And then, how were maybe the first three to six months (laughs) getting started and spending all of that time
0: together?
2: Yeah. So, as when we decided that we needed to make the change, we took a, about a year and a half and we worked on ourselves. We traveled the world. We went to different retreats, meditation schools, yoga schools. And then we just like hiked the Inca Trail for four days, went to Machu Picchu. We went all over like Malbec, Colombia, Chile. Then we went all over Asia, Vietnam, all these great places. The whole time thinking, oh, we could just retire and live this life. But knowing us, we can't do that. Like, we have to work. So D actually started listing all the potential new concepts that we could do because eventually we we had to go back home and so came up with a long list. And- yeah, so it's, uh,
3: you know, so, the, so I'll talk about the list, but I'll also <laughs> talk about why we picked, you know, uh, what we picked. So, you know, uh, after doing a few startups and we're also investors in a few companies, you realize, you know, if you have an idea, just an idea is not enough. It has to have a market size. It has to have, you know, of venture funding behind it you have to be able to hire people it has to be in a growing market so we started a list it was like 24 different ideas or markets where we I had this crazy Excel, Excel spreadsheet where I would like track competitors venture funding look at crunchbase like who got funded who the competitors were and came down to like three things that you know we were passionate about but also were the right market size and they were growing and there was I could raise money for right so there was like a combination of both right so why did we pick meditation?
2: <laughs> we picked meditation, one. It had made a huge change in us. So we had been going, as I mentioned, to all these schools and retreats, and seeing that it's harder to see the change in yourself when you're doing something more inward-facing. It's like when you go to the gym and you're working out. You start to see the results after a few weeks, hopefully, the improvements in the mirror, right? But with meditation and mindfulness, when you're working on your own issues inside, you often actually get more feedback from those who are close to you. Hmm. So there were times when we were like traveling to a new place and all of a sudden D would be like, Oh my gosh, I can hear the birds or look at these trees. Or we went to a city we had been to already a handful of times and he's like, oh, we've never been here before. And I'm like, babe, I can show you a <laughs> few pictures. We've been here before. And it was really cool to see that he was finally living in the moment. And when I noticed in him, all of a sudden, I started to want that more too. So it was a really cool thing. So it was kind of like we fed off each other's improvements on that. So one, we knew it worked. We knew you, we knew people could make a change and make their lives better with this. And then also the market was really starting to take off in the West. There's a few market leaders, Calm Headspace. They really sort of paved the way for people in America to say like, okay, meditation is something that is useful. It's something that we need not just need, but probably desperately need because society is getting incredibly stressed. Millennials and Gen Z are reporting insane amounts of stress, burnout, loneliness, depression, and even suicide rates. So we saw the market was growing and there's a lot of interest in it. We saw that people desperately need this and we knew that it worked for us. So that was a big indication for us that we should jump in. Dee, you have probably a few more factors. Yeah, it's like,
3: you know, when people tell you you've changed, you know, so for us, it was like, we were experiencing it together because we were together everywhere we were traveling for like this whole year and a half, right? So it's hard to see gradual change when you're together, right? When we would see like Julie said, our relatives or friends are like, You guys have changed. And what is the what was the change? It was mindfulness, meditation, the retreats, right? So we're like, Okay, this is good. We have an amazing relationship. We feel good when we have such less little stress, or also when we're stressed, we know how to deal with it, you know. Mm. Like I always say pause and then reflect, don't just reflect like you know, there was an article in Wall Street Journal yesterday um, about how traders are better when they meditate. So they actually they proved with research if you are an equity trader, a stock trader, and you meditate, you're better. Because imagine a stock crashes that second, and they sell their equity right away. Because that's how we are. We're very reactive as human beings. Right. And what happened was we suddenly became you know not so reactive. So if I would you know Julian, I were having a problem, we didn't have to react to each other right away. We would take a second pause and then think it wasn't a big deal anyway right so i think that's the big change and so creating and doing a business for that and helping others with that is a it's a very lifetime of a journey i'm very lucky to have that honestly
1: was there any other business that you had started that you got into where you felt a similar type of meaning and purpose or is this the first time that you felt like wow like this is something i believe so passionately in
3: yeah, because it's, it's impacted
1: it's, you in such a big way.
3: It's the first time. you know. I've started many companies, and they're all being great technology games. I have a tech background. I have 30 patents and all kind of good stuff. So I, I'm a techy geek, so I love to invent stuff and create new technology. My first company was what has eventually become Siri and Alexa, like speech recognition. Oh, wow. So when I first came to this country, I was working on how to understand voice and how to translate that into English language so you can search for things, right? And that was great, right so it' was a big vision, you know bringing voice into the platform, but nothing has been so impactful because like you talked about our vision before we you know started the podcast, like it affecting five billion people to find purpose. There's no other thing you can do where everybody needs to deal with stress anxiety, right? Yeah. <laughs> if the scope is so big, and then when we work every day, we feel so good that we're, everybody can be helped from this. It's not like a text, you know, certain people in technology or certain people in, you know, finance can help be helped with this. Anybody has can be helped with this. Yeah. So I've never felt like this personally with all the startups I've done. And it's a very nice feeling, you know?
1: Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. But that entrepreneurial spirit, that seems like it's been with you since you were young. Oh, yeah. Yeah, is that something for you too, Julie?
2: Yeah, for me, it, it kind of, I got interested in it when I started working with startups. Mm. And I, mostly in San Francisco, I worked for this startup called Yes 2 They're still around. I don't know if you call them a startup anymore because they're doing great. And they, What's it called? Yes To? Yes Two. And their products are called Yes To Cares, Yes To Blueberries. An incredible founding team, Ido Leffler and Lance Kalish. They were truly great role models for me for entrepreneurship, alongside D, obviously. So I was kind of started to be surrounded around a lot of people who were just energized and fed off of building things and making mm. things grow and helping people in different ways. Uh, and then I went on to work for another uh, startup in New York. And, and so... I started in my position with these companies, too, as a county manager or a controller, and I got really into the finance. I worked close with the executive team and the founders. So I really started to understand all the different ways that startups can function and work and got my hands into it. So even though I hadn't really had the role of a founder or even thought of myself as an entrepreneur, I was still in that process with them. Hmm. And then when the opportunity came around, he's like, well, why don't we do this together? And I'm like, Yeah. That I think I can do it.
1: So were you, were you doing that work with the startups before you met Dee?
2: No. I didn't work with the startup until after Dee and I had started dating. Okay.
1: We've been together for a while. We've
2: been together for a long time. <laughs> <How> long? <laughs> I had to think for a sec. How long? Oh, dating...
1: 14
2: years. Yeah. 14 Dating years. and marriage,
1: 14 years. We just yeah.
2: passed our eight year anniversary. Um, I'm the one who asked to ask him how long it's been. <laughs> it's
1: okay. It's okay. It's not like Valentine's Day is tomorrow or anything. <laughs>
2: Which is our first date anniversary. So tomorrow is 14 years.
1: 14 really? Years. Yeah. Your first date was on Valentine's Day. That's yeah. right. It was it's a crazy story. Let's not go there. I, I, I want to actually, that, that's, that's what this show is all about, it's for crazy stories. Like in, in like the like the sixty second version or two minute version. Right,
2: I'll go into it. So uh we were living at, in San Diego at the time and mm. it was an anti Valentine's anti-Valentine's Day party at the W, downtown San Diego. And Dee's like, Eh, you wanna go? And I'm like, eh, sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> we barely knew each other. So we went and um it wasn't very anti after that. Wow. We started falling in love and uh
3: It was like the people that didn't know each other at the party. And we knew each other. We were all like, you know.
1: What was your relationship at that time? Just friends? Friends, yeah. Okay.
3: And we just recently met. We were friends. We were actually obviously attracted to each other. But we were, you know, starting a date essentially at the time. Was your intention,
1: like, when you asked her, was it like, this has the possibility of evolving into something? Or...
3: I wish I was that evolved mentally at the time. You had zero intention. You're like, intention?
1: What?
2: I don't think 14 14 years ago, I don't think we were that mature. We were very young. I mean, so.
1: How old were you guys?
2: Ah geez, don't ask a woman that.
1: <laughs> no, how old were you guys fourteen years ago? It's not like I'm good at math or anything. Early thirties for me. Okay. Cool. Early twenties yeah. for okay, me. Okay, cool. Got yeah. it. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> um <coughs> that that's a really that's a really great story actually. It reminds me, my grandparents, they're they're gone, they lived a long, happy life. But uh they they were married like over seventy years and uh, they met like on a Valentine's Day dance and like you had to find the person who had the missing shape of your heart, like that fit perfectly, oh, nice. and they had it. That's so adorable. Seventy plus years, nice. so like that's what you guys have to look forward to. <laughs> oh yes, I'm
2: Sorry.
1: putting that all on you guys right now. <laughs> if you guys don't make it to seventy, you're a disappointment. Um, we'll make it to however so long we live. Yes, like yes, then? and and that's probably going to be expanded and extended because of these new practices. Yeah. I'm wondering in that 18th month, 18 month travel period where you guys were diving deep into consciousness and self discovery. Were there any other things that came up that really helped you other than the meditation part?
3: Yeah. A lot of like we were in nature a lot, you know, I think that's very meditating. Like, I don't know if you've been to Vietnam, like it's just so Mm. incredibly beautiful and we, you know, we're just going to city by city: Vietnam, Cambodia, and
2: um, Bali, Bali, like the whole Asia. Same for Latin
3: America. So I think it was just being in nature without anybody, the noise of the, of the city, the hustle, you know, and just being in peace. And that's very meditative. And I, you know, saying this before we got into meditation, that was really what was very peaceful. And then really, when we got into meditation, and then being in such a space was just beautiful because now you're breathing and you're like, you know, you're trying to be present in that moment, every moment, every second mm. of that moment. And it's like, oh shit. It's like, look at these leaves. Like what's going on? It's yeah. like, everything's like three, certainly 3d, 4k, like 8k, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so that was like very really cool. So it was like perfectly timed but meditation and travel were like pretty much perfectly timed. Mm.
2: We also made it very unrestricted. So we would just fly somewhere on a one-way ticket and then just kind of take it as it went. And you think about the life we had before where everything was planned out we knew we had to constantly travel and everything was just like you got to do this for war you got to do this for this meeting you got to do this for this conference it was so nice to have that exact opposite experience i think Mm. that really helped us explore a little bit more our opportunities what we could do
1: i love that i always talk about the importance of balancing or trying to balance structure and spontaneity mm-hmm. i think these spontaneous moments are so important mm-hmm. and that's actually exactly what i did i did that this summer i went to europe for six weeks mm-hmm. like is there something above me no oh i thought you were <laughs> i was like hmm. um and i was literally doing that like one-way tickets mm-hmm. i would like book a place for a night then i would end up staying five mm-hmm. meet someone cool hey let's go to paris and I, it was really refreshing and like, that keeps you present. So I just want for everyone listening, for everyone watching right now, notice what, notice what Dee and Julie said, like literally these things that are free, they don't cost anything, nature, your breath, mm-hmm. silence, meditation, introspection. These things are so important in continuing this growth as, as yourself and reaching your potential and really discovering yourself and who you truly are and what you're capable of. So continue to dive deep into these practices and connecting with nature. Um, I'm wondering, I want to dive, dive a little bit into right now, like the wellness space in, in the workplace, Mm -hmm. because that's an area I'm super interested in. I'm involved in. What are you guys seeing right now that maybe, maybe, common common threads that just aren't working like if you go into an office maybe it's a startup and i know startups tend to have different cultures sometimes but if you go into like a fortune 500 company Mm -hmm. uh like what are some common things that they're doing now that aren't working
3: yeah so let's so first let's go talk about why the problem exists and we'll sort of address this so and i think it's good to sort of take a step back on what is the what happened you know what happened was, you know, I remember, I'm um, aging myself, I worked for Nokia Research Center, the first like, cell phone company out of Finland. I lived in Helsinki. You know, at the time, phones didn't have internet. They were There were no smartphones. You know, smartphones started like in, you know, early 2000s and all that. And now what's happened in the workplace, everybody's got a thing that's beeping, telling them, here's an email, here's a Slack message, here's a social message, here's this push, there's that push. So what's happened in the workplace is that people are always anxious, like, what's going on, right? And, and that wasn't the case, you know. Uh, not even 10 years ago, that wasn't the case. So the workplace has to adjust to this new reality. And I think, for, for so first you understand that problem. Then you say, oh, what is the problem then it's creating? It's actually mostly due to mental health. Mental health was a taboo like not that long ago. Nobody talked about it. Now it's actually an open conversation. People can talk about, hey, I'm actually really stressed. I'm really anxious. You know, I'm having you know, an anxiety attack, or I need to talk to somebody. It's still not to the extent it should be. And I think you know, when you talk about bigger companies or younger companies, younger companies, especially the tech space, they're adopting these much faster because they realize the problem. They can come up with a solution. Big companies still don't provide these solutions to their employees, but there's a lot more awareness that's happening in the space. What do you think,
2: Julie? Yeah, I just add to that, that what's happening a lot in corporate America is also a little bit of a reflection of our culture. You know, we value constantly being busy. When someone says, oh, I didn't sleep last night, I pulled an all-nighter, it's almost like they say it with a badge of honor, right? And that is just exemplified at work. Mm. So it's just between those two things, like mental health is a stigma, and then we have to drive ourselves to the point where our brains are probably fried. I, that's creating this like crisis point where we really have to find some really good solutions to make this stop. Like, yeah. How do you change something so big as a common culture?
1: Right. Take right. A lot of and, effort. Yeah, and and this constant, constant notification world simulation, right? Yeah. And constant it and it's spiking our cortisol levels mm-hmm. right throughout the day and i think i just i just heard a stat actually it was with joe dispenza mm-hmm. and he talked about how 86% of americans start their day by checking their phone mm-hmm. so that's when our cortisol levels are already at their peak mm-hmm. and now we're getting into a reactive mode we're like checking emails checking messages checking social media and all of a sudden it's like we're in this hamster wheel again. We don't have that time to actually create a plan for the day and really connect with ourselves. All right. And and I think it starts first thing in the morning. Like 86% is a huge number. Yeah. So what are what are some of the solutions that we can implement that you guys are implementing right now with your clients?
3: So you know we so first uh, let's talk about what we uh, what our coaches talk to uh, in our classes to our clients right so there's a whole class we do on digital detox mm. what is a digital detox you know how do you you know not wear a smartwatch all the yeah. time <laughs> <laughs> how do you keep notifications off how do you prepare going to bed how do you prepare to wake up they're very simple things but you know we don't think about them because you know I I'll, I'll put this thing out there like say so if you hold your phone and you open any app in the phone there's so much uh, machine learning AI is going on in the phone to keep you keep your attention on that app. There's thousands of engineers sitting in the back trying to say, don't leave this app. Don't leave this app like me or scroll there, slide there. So once you say, oh, you know what, I'm fighting these 20,000 engineer army every time I open an app, that's not so, so healthy for me. Yeah. So what I've done, and, and Julie will talk about her experience, I actually started deleting the apps. I'm like, I have very few apps <laughs> on the phone, I stopped using my smartwatch. I'm like, you know, first let's start with digital detox. If you can't control your behavior, just get rid of things you, you know, that you shouldn't be exposed to, right?
2: Yes, and turn off notifications as much as possible. Mm. If you need to have apps, that's fine. Just turn off the notifications or put them on timer. So do not disturb settings. Yeah. Apple has done a really good job of including that with iPhone. I use iPhones, so that's my wheelhouse. Uh, one thing I'll say is, our phones and our and our, our our technologies today are all about conveniences or perceived conveniences. But some of the old school stuff is actually much more useful. Like I use my phone as an alarm to wake me up in the morning. Right. And it just became brought to my attention by one of our coaches that it's probably better if I just get an alarm clock. Because <laughs> the first thing, that my, my alarm goes off on my phone, I pick it up, and then Boom, I see things. You're part of the 86%. I part of it. I'm guilty. Yeah. And so I'm, I was actually just thinking they have some really great alarm clocks coming back. They can even um, wake you with light instead of a sound. Yes. There's some that vibrate, there's some that jump around your room. So, so you know, make so some let's, then let's
3: talk about the business problem, right? So, how can employers help their employees? I, you know, I don't know if you know, but in Japan, um, they actually banned email after 8 p.m. Mm. Because the suicide rate went up, skyrocketed. Because you know they work very hard, but as a culture they expect it to stay late, um, and so that's, because of that culture, there were so many deaths happening that they basically said, you know what, we're gonna. You can't send an email after eight pm. The email servers go off. Wow, it or not. Yeah. the whole country. The whole country.
1: Okay, yeah, that's I'll, just. So. I need to cut you off because it's so interesting. Because <laughs> that thing you're talking about is called karoshi, uh-huh. and it's literally ten thousand people over ten thousand people die at their desk every single year in Japan. Yeah. Like while they're working, like they're mid-email, they're gone. Yeah, it's not crazy. Yeah, sorry, continue though. No,
3: but that's, that's the, so I think we don't realize we're, as a culture even here, we're getting to that place where, to Julie's point, we take pride in not having slept. We take pride in how hard we work. You know, we take pride in all these things that are actually bad for our body, bad for our minds, you know, healthy body, healthy mind, right? So, so when we talk to companies, so like going back to your previous question, we talk to companies, we really talk about let's start to measure the, stress, anxiety, sleep deprivation levels with your team. And so we built this platform where once, you know, the app Wellness Coach is given to all the employees, they can use the app for stress reduction. There's a the number one um, class we have is called Five Minute Stress Buster. Mm-hmm. Like people are using it nonstop just to relieve stress immediately. Or they can use sleep stories to go to sleep. They can use sleep music. There's lots of things for anxiety and so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, all the data is presented to HR to say, here's how your stress levels are month over month. Sleep levels are month over month, so you can understand if your employee population is getting healthier or worse. Mm. And then, you know, where our machine learning AI is heading towards is we can actually tell you that if you fired a leader, hired a new leader, did a layoff, how does that impact your company's health? Mm. Because ultimately, a lot of times, you know, employee health is driven by the leadership, right? How they're managing the company, how they're driving the culture, but they have no feedback loop, right? If I send you a survey, survey is designed by, you know, the company to say, hey, answer these questions, right? And surveys are done like once in every quarter. With our technology, it's real time. You can see at all times what's happening with the company. Mm-hmm. You know, day by day, week by week. So I think that's the paradigm shift we're trying to bring into the work culture. Mm-hmm. Hey, measure stress, anxiety, sleep levels, mm-hmm. fitness levels, you know, every 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 day, every week, every month, and then have a plan to make these things better because now you can see what's going on, right? Yeah.
2: Also, we do a lot for education. So, about every month, we have a free webinar, and it's related and targeted for HR professionals who might be working on building a wellness platform at their company or wellness program. And we help them figure out how to do it, what are the best practices, what they should be looking for. Might not be with us, but we just want to make sure that they know what's out there and how to achieve it. So, I love we that. do that work a lot as well.
0: What up, podcast, fam. I just wanted to interrupt today's show really quickly to thank you again for tuning in to today's show. I hope you're enjoying it. I hope you're getting some knowledge bombs that you're going to implement into your life. And it would really mean the world to me if you took a few seconds to leave a review for the show. It makes such a huge difference in getting more exposure and getting more eyeballs and getting more ears on this message that is so powerful so it would really mean the world if you took that extra time to leave a review share the show with a friend and again I really appreciate you thank you so much and enjoy the rest of the show I'm curious to know what are some of the KPIs
1: you use with wellness coach tracking this information, what are some of the key performance indicators you use?
3: Yeah, so for businesses, you know, the most important thing is that there's usage, right? If there's no usage, then... So engagement. Engagement is like the number one usage. So most times, you know, human resources will say, "Hey, you know, most programs we launch, there's a two to three percent, you know, adoption rate or engagement rate." Mm-hmm. We're seeing up to eighty percent adoption rate now. Mm-hmm. In most cases, it's thirty to forty percent, which is dramatically high. But up to eighty percent, where the CEO or the founders are committed to, you know, the cause of helping their employees with mindfulness. One company we can talk about is Fifteen Five, where they have a very healthy culture and they do two times. Uh, the whole company will do meditation twice a twice a week. And so they have that part of the culture where we see huge adoption rate, and obviously they just want glassdoor number three you know best company to work for. Mm. so then you see the outcome, right? so your first kPI is engagement have are people using it? are the problems being solved, and the outcome you see is high you know higher retention, I- ability to hire people that are happy with the company they're giving you good ratings you know that, that, those things then become far more valuable than what you would spend on employee you know issues with stress and anxiety.
1: I'm wondering, are there any? like incentives for people, for employees to engage, obviously the health that they're gonna see and they're gonna achieve. Is that something that would be handled by the business themselves, by the company themselves, like some sort of incentive program?
3: Yeah, so I think different companies uh, have different programs, so we provide our own incentives, like we're actually giving away a sleep watch right now if you engage X amount of times with the product. So if you Mm. use the app multiple times, and you're you know you, we'll just give you a smartwatch so you can now measure your sleep quality right so mm. we do incentives but when it works the best is when the company says hey i'm going to actually provide incentives for my employees for consumption one company without naming the name of the company they actually had probably one of the best programs i've seen where the more you use our app the the lower your healthcare costs will become so they basically said we'll mm. give we'll start contributing more to your deductible if you use the app more i think that is a great incentive because now you're saying hey i'm going to my costs of healthcare which is crazy high I'm going to go down. I'm going to get healthier. It's a win-win. And the company is doing preventative care. So over time, their healthcare cost goes anywhere lower, right? Because imagine how much money people are spending on sleep, anxiety, or therapy, Mm -hmm. right, from EAP programs and all that. So I think that's the awareness that's needed. and, And I'm glad we're here talking about this today because it's hard to, like, Put all of this amazing information in you
1: know, in, the in 60 a sixty-second video, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly.
2: And for companies who launch wellness programs and really tackle the problems that their teams are working with physically and mentally, they usually see ROI a return on their investment within three years' time. So this company's example where they helped cover their cost of the medical benefits, hmm. they will actually see a reduction in the company's medical benefits cost in about three years. Right. So it's a win-win for everybody to yeah. just be participating in these programs
1: I think that's really important though to mm-hmm. to take note that it takes time yes right and and I think it comes back to leadership right mm-hmm. because if they're looking for some quick fix which a lot of people are it's like where's the magic pill at mm-hmm. you know where's it at and these people didn't get diabetes or obese or or chronic pain overnight it's mm-hmm. been years of compounded, poor habits yeah. um so i'm just curious to know because from my from my research i know healthcare costs in this country were about three trillion dollars last year and i believe 75 of those costs were addressing chronic disease mm-hmm. you know things that we can prevent right. with lifestyle mm-hmm. and moving our bodies more eating differently uh meditating these type of things and i love that you guys understand that and you kind of evolved meditation life to be more movement, more, more, there's, there's a, an abundance of different things on That's there right. now. Right. Yeah. So yeah. what type, so you guys have the meditation component. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I understand from our initial conversation, there's like a fitness component. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a fitness, is it, is it like what, what, can I get an example? Like what would a fitness type thing yeah, be? Yeah,
2: we have uh, probably about 40 to 50 workout options on yeah. our platform, on our app. And there are workouts ranging from like cardio, strength. we got tons of yoga, stretching. There's kickboxing, Pilates, hit training, which I adore. And some smooth, gentle movements, just like recoveries, warm-ups. we got a little bit of everything for anyone. Okay. Um, ranging mostly from beginner and intermediate level and the Couple of little bits of touching advanced level, which really kicked my butt. Awesome! <laughs> I got my butt whipped this morning. We have a workout plan called in the ring, so it's like an intense warm up followed by some boxing, then kickboxing, and I was just drenched in sweat <laughs> at like six a.m. this morning. Yes. <laughs> Still a little sore standing right now. All those kicks. Um, Good. Yeah. So that's that's our fitness component, and it's all on demand. So it really just whenever someone can fit a little bit into their day we have it's ranging from like a two-minute warm-up if you just want to get your heart pumping real quick you can do that and then we have workouts that go over 40 minutes plus
1: got so. it do yeah. any of those do any of those are, are a majority of those programs probably going to be done like outside of work
2: i would like assume morning so. evening
1: yeah. So I would, I, and this is something we'll definitely talk about after, after, uh, after the show, but like what I think is so important to bring to the workplace, because like you guys know, you know, a lot of these people have families, they have their side hustles, they have all of these things in their life that they're trying to juggle. Mm-hmm. And what I'm really passionate about is how can we actually infuse more movement into the workplace, right? So literally having a protocol and some videos on, hey, these are how you can actually use your chair as a tool right. to stretch, to move, to do things like that. Um, these are alternative postures you can implement throughout the day. So I think, and I would love to hear your guys' thoughts on that mm-hmm. because I think it's so it's so uninvasive. Mm-hmm. Like, there's very few. I think it's a small percentage of people, even if they literally have access to all these things, it's like someone who is sedentary isn't all of a sudden gonna do CrossFit every day. It's like one extreme to the other, similar to what you guys did with mm-hmm. your lifestyle. Um but but from what I've seen in my experiences working with individuals and companies, like infusing some of that into the workplace, it's very, it's very like it's not daunting. It's not intimidating. Hey, like you're sitting already. Let's, let's incorporate a little stretches. Let's get the glutes, the hips, the spine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe that will actually trigger them and inspire them to do a yoga class right. or to do a hit class. What do you guys think?
2: Oh, well, one of our most favorite classes is choga,
1: <laughs> chair yoga. Yes. Uh,
2: we do private sessions with our enterprise clients as well. So companies that want to Zoom us into a meeting, they might have offices in different locations, so the virtual platform works well. They'll have 20-so people in different offices, everyone's sitting in a chair, and then we'll bring in our yoga or coach, whoever they decide, and we'll do a 10-minute choga session. Just gentle stretching, just like you said, it gets them moving. That way they're not just like sitting for the whole meeting that they're about to have with their whole company. So they get a nice few moments of breath work. They get to move their bodies a little bit, stretch, get up and down sometimes, and then they can get back to work. And they're, usually the feedback is they feel a lot more focused after those few moments of movement.
1: That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, all it takes is a Japanese study in 2017 found that all it takes is like six deep breaths mm-hmm. to change your state mm-hmm. and to lower your blood pressure. Yeah. Wow. Simple. We took three before the show. So next time we'll yeah. do six. <laughs> but it's it's like these simple things. So I love that you guys are like doing this and you guys are building building an audience for it. And you're getting results. And I think that's so important when you're like tracking these different things. So then you can go to leadership and be like, hey, look at this. Like, look at the engagement. That's amazing. The engagement you guys have.
3: Yeah, we're quite surprised with that ourselves so one of the things on engagement and i think to your previous question we started with meditation only right and then why did we launch the body fitness piece and then we have a big sleep component because i think meditation as a word sometimes is sort of threatening and if you talk to people hey you know now to close my eyes and sit for 10 minutes so funny enough when we started meditating the first experience was like one week retreat with no phones no internet and like non-stop 4 a.m to like 6 p.m meditating and then we came back, you know, charting this company. We're like, 20-minute meditation is no deal. You know, we're used to doing 20, 30 minutes. People can't do five minutes, you know. <laughs> five yeah. minutes means like an hour for first-timers. So we had to sort of learn and adapt. So now having, you know, very short meditations or some stretching, some fitness, some sleep stuff gets people to warm up to the different part of the app. And they, then they start trying. Mm. So I'll show share one example, which I sort of love. just happened last week. One of the clients, you know, we asked her to try a mindfulness class, uh, the class is called self-doubt, you know, because uh, we have a tendency of negative bias as human beings, so we're always doubting our capabilities, we're always doubting are we good enough, are we, can we achieve something, so it's an amazing class, we love it, and so uh, we asked her to try this class, it's so six minutes, that's it, and no way she was going to touch that class, and then suddenly she basically tried a sleep story, went to sleep, woke up, tried yoga and stretching. And then she's like, I had the best 48 hours of my life. I'm like, so I slept well, I did stretching. And then she tried that class and she was like a big fan of what we're doing. Mm. So sometimes it's a journey that gets you there. You know, I think the other thing, I think to Julie mentioned, like we're not sleeping enough. So if we're only sleeping four or five hours or tired all day, Meditations can be very difficult you're going to sleep <laughs> like that's what happened to me early on close your eyes you're like snoring right yeah so you need to be relaxed you need to be fit you know so i think this it, it, is a gradual journey and if we can talk about it tell people hey you don't have to close your eyes for 20 minutes right away you can just do some stretching you can do some yoga you can do some desk stretching and then you try three minutes you know just breathe for six just do six deep breaths slowly get them into a place where they realize oh this is actually helping me I feel more present. Mm -hmm. I feel I'm listening to people. and not talking over them. You know, I'm like, I'm changing as a person. Whoa, what happened? You know? (laughs)
1: Yeah.
2: And just adding to that, you know, our intention is to just remove all the friction that people often associate with meditating. We want to make it easy. We want to give it a gentle entry into the concept, into the practice. You know, what we did by traveling the world and, you know, all the flights we did, going to Thailand and Bali and wherever else we flew to, it, not everyone has that opportunity. You know, we also didn't, don't have kids. So, people, normal people's lives where they have jobs and families and they got the bills to pay, we wanted to make this accessible so easy for them. Yeah. And so when we came back and we just learned and we evolved and we saw what wasn't working and we tried to make it work as best for anyone who comes to our app.
1: Mm, Yeah, I love that. Accessibility is key. I'm wondering, you mentioned self-doubt.
3: Yes,
1: Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just curious to know, uh, what are some particular stories or limiting beliefs that each of you have had, maybe stemming from your childhood? And how did those kind of shape you or manifest later on in life?
3: That's great, like I you know I have to think through this, so I, I always grew up as a overconfident person, like so I think it was hard to like I didn't doubt I always had thought you know other people should doubt themselves, I'm not gonna doubt myself, but then you go through gyrations in life right when you have a failure because when you're young, you have no failures, you're just you know doing shit' right? Yeah. Like just dealing with stuff, so I think what happens is as you, when you have failures and i you know I've had startup failures, I've had life failures i've had everybody's got so many failures. When you have failures, there's a tendency to remember the failures more than your successes. Mm. And so because we are negatively biased as human beings. So when we, you know, even when we started meditating early on, mm. there was a tendency to have the bad negative thoughts come to you, right? Mm. And it was a process to start then say, oh, let's, for every three negative thoughts, I'm going to have three positive thoughts. Like for three things that I couldn't do well, what are the three things that I did well? Mm. And you start training your brain, hey self-doubt is our human uh, behavior reason is you know and uh if, if there's a book i'll quote sapiens is a my one of my favorite books you know Yuval harari and he talks about like human beings are on top of the food chain like we killed tigers and elephants and everybody but we behave like we're in the middle of the food chain that we're always threatened by something <laughs> so that's why we have so much self-doubt and negative bias we're always worried right so i think you have to build uh this ability to get over self-doubt and negative doubt by saying what good have I done in life? What's going well in my life? And so for me, I think self-doubt is a constant thing. It's not like it doesn't happen Oh, I don't have doubt anymore. I think it's a constant thing. It'll probably next week I'll have doubt about something. So then it's just having this practice of sitting down and saying, okay, this, I have my own practice on like dealing with self-doubt, you know, but it helps. Then I open my eyes. I'm like, oh, that was just like my negative, you know, um, bias that's taken over me.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Self-doubt, fear, all these emotions that we can come up with, our brain is constantly going to throw them at us. But through mindfulness practices, you can realize you don't have to like roll around in the dirt with these feelings. You can simply separate yourself from them and recognize, yes, that was an emotion I just had. Throw some reality into your mind and then detach yourself from it. And it sounds... That sounds like an easy thing to do, and we all know it's much harder to actually do, and it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot. One thing that really worked for me is affirmation practices. Mm -hmm. So just repeating a really positive statement like, I am calm. If you do that regularly, you will retrain your brain to not go to that negative bias you know, natural tendency that we have, and you can instead, when those moments happen, think, oh, I am calm. That becomes a natural tendency.
3: Mm. Like I love myself is a really good one I yeah. love that because not until recently I said that to myself, I love myself It's like the first time you say it and one of our coaches used to say, say it in the mirror, looking at yourself Yeah. And it was so weird The first time I said I love myself, <laughs> look at the mirror I'm like, what am I doing? But these things are important You know, we need to love ourselves first before we love somebody else Right. We need to be confident in ourselves before we tell others to be confident Right. So I think just having these affirmations and you know practices we're building that in ourselves and it's like little t- things, you know, We nobody told us, you know? <laughs> it's yeah. never in the curriculum in, in school, basically. Yeah. And it
2: should be in the curriculum in <laughs> schools. So we're
1: working on that. Yes, and, and Joe Dispenza is doing, like, work with teens now. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because you mentioned, uh, like, survival, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And these survival emotions that we're often feeling first thing in the morning, mm-hmm. right, resentment anger frustration sadness jealousy all of these things and he talks about matching your intention with an elevated emotion Mm -hmm. so gratitude abundance forgiveness joy Mm -hmm. and if you can actually have those emotions bring them in before you actually accomplish or receive whatever it is you're striving for like already already acting and living and embodying those things before it actually takes place like it's it's hard mm-hmm. at first but like it's really powerful mm-hmm. and if you kind of speak those things into existence and just like show up as that person that you want to be mm-hmm. in 3 months or 6 months whatever it is it's a really powerful practice mm-hmm. um i'm i'm curious to know too like i'm just trying to unpack a little bit more <laughs> so like Confidence like you said like that was never really an issue for you. is that like across the board in all areas of life, or were there any insecurities maybe that crept up here and there because obviously the business the entrepreneur side mm-hmm. seems to you seem you seem to have a pretty good stranglehold on that <laughs> i 'm just wondering like other areas
3: so that 's a good question. You know, as, it's interesting, as an engineer, like, I'm an engineer, core, my brain's always calculating stuff, and it's gotten better after meditating, but I didn't think I gave my brain enough space to think outside of the things that normal human beings would think. Now, that's the honest thing I can say. I wrote 31 patents, inventions in, like, a few years. I was always inventing, so if, if you were sitting next to me, like, a few years ago, you'd be next to me, but I'd be in my own world, so... I had to, you know, now I'm finally in the real world. Like, so in real world, you have these issues of, you know, confidence and all that. In my world, I was doing great, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know it, that's the answer you want. But one. it was probably,
1: it was probably like <laughs> as, do as an engineer, like a little bit ostracized, lonely, like from kind of, we hang out, outside you
3: hang out with the same kind of people like all right. my friends were engineers we're all geeks nerds right we were very happy with our circle right we, yeah. never, we never were the cool kids right we were never trying to be the cool
1: kids right you were you I, I think you're pretty fucking cool <laughs> is that is that out of those 31 patents you mentioned like voice recognition yeah are there are there any others that yeah,
3: so the first one was in gaming and I, I don't know if, if uh, the, the young kids have played a game called Snake that was the first game on the, the like yeah, on yeah the so Nokia I, phone yeah, it's a Nokia yeah. phone so I wrote Snake two. I was part of the team that wrote Snake two, and wow. I hadn't done What was the difference games. between
1: Snake two and Snake one?
3: That's dumb. <laughs>
1: That's a really good question. Yeah, I'm actually I don't really curious. Know.
3: More difficulties, you know, more snake length. I mean, it was early days of gaming, right? So you made a marginal difference. You'd like Snake two. I mean, now it's the same thing now, right? Every version is not that different. So, yeah, same thing. Snake
1: two. That's huge. Oh my god! What about you, Julie? Is there any any limiting belief? that maybe still lingers or shows up in some capacity?
2: Oh yeah, it's, that's something I, I very much struggled with. It's kind of funny, Dee and I are almost complete opposites, like when they say opposites attract, yeah. <laughs> so I, I struggle with self-doubt and, and all kinds of confidence issues. I pack on that that I'm a millennial girl growing up in the 90s and you know social media blew up and you know constantly seeing these images and retouched images. Of course I've had all kinds of confidence and, and self-doubt and what have you. Um, and really, only digging into them more recently um, with our meditation practice. The first time I tried to meditate in that retreat where Dee was mentioning, where we had no phones for four or five days, I mean, I couldn't sit and not cry for five minutes mm. because the thoughts that would come up were just way they would just overtake me, and and I had such a huge um, bad relationship with how I thought about myself. So I could barely go out in front of any, anybody with confidence and think that, yeah, I should be listened to, I have authority here, or anything. I had no, none of that in, mm. at all.
1: How long ago was that?
2: Two and a half years ago, maybe. Nice. Good. <laughs> so obviously, I'm standing here talking to everybody. Yeah. Um, so it, it works. It takes time, but meditation works, and it helped me a lot. But yeah, it, it's something. I'm in my 30s now. I've dealt with this for decades, and it's, it's really difficult. Yeah. Um, and it, it's scary to sit with yourself and unpack why do I have these things? You mentioned like something stemming from your childhood. Yeah, a lot of it came from my childhood. Yeah, uh, I grew up in Southern California, all kinds of craziness. And I was exposed to TV and the internet at a very young age. Um, well, not like the kids now <laughs> who yeah. are basically born on it, um, almost literally. And it's, it's just you really have to be brave in a moment and just jump in and just mm. be like, okay, it's just me. There's no monsters inside of me and get comfortable with yourself. And when you learn to just say, yes, I am me and I am here and everyone just has to put up with my existence now, you'll go out there and realize that they actually want you to be there and they love you.
1: So mm, yeah. at least and that's and been it, my experience. So and I'm if these, they don't, like if they, they don't way. love your authentic <laughs> self, yeah, like yeah. you're, you're gonna, naturally, you're going to rub people yes. the wrong way. Like my energy, some people might be like, yo, dude, like chill out. And then others, like I, I attract the most amazing people and opportunities into my life. So like, I'm just gonna continue being me. Mm-hmm. That's all I know how to do. Um, so yeah, and, and I, think that's, I think that's a really important point because we all, regardless of how successful you are, I feel like we all have these things, and again, most of it's from childhood, um, that sometimes pop up in, in interesting ways. So continuing to peel back the layers of the onion, And a lot of times when you peel an onion, you cry, Yeah, right? It makes you tear up. It makes you cry. And it's in that moment that we want to run away and be like, oh shit, like that's scary. I I don't want to go into that. I don't want to face my shadow, Mm -hmm. but that's actually where the true growth and transcendence takes place. Mm -hmm. So I love that. I want to, I want to finish up. I know we're short on time. Um, Give me three things. You guys can collaborate on this, but three <laughs> <Tuddle> things, <moment. laughs> three, three things that, uh, have been keys for you in maintaining a healthy relationship, both, you know, romantically and, and business wise, okay. because I think that's a really challenging
2: yeah.
1: <clears throat> dimension. Really? Yeah. It, it, it is. It presents a lot of interesting things.
2: I'll start. Uh, boundaries is a really big one. Um, when we don't want to work anymore, we say, "Okay, we're done working." Like we we look at each other and we're like, "Okay, no more work." Pretend we're family now. We're not pretend. Be family <laughs> now. I should say <laughs> we're all just pretending here. No, uh, and that actually helps a lot. Otherwise, I mean, if you're working all day long you can, and then you're working from home and you're living together, I mean, you could just keep going and the stress will just compound. And you know that cannot go down a great path. So early on, we said, okay, at night, we don't talk business unless we're at a business event, which is you know far in between today. And uh, that boundary has really helped us. So we were able to transition very quickly from we're working, 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 and then, okay, let's make dinner and let's chill, that's vibe, let's enjoy each other, let's go walk our dogs and then have a good night.
1: Mm, is there a certain time of day where that happens or is it like intuition? How does that work?
3: Yeah, we start super early. So because we have a global team, so we're like on calls six thirty seven, and then try to get done by six thirty seven. So eleven twelve hour a day. Um, usually, you know, we love cooking at home. So there's like we're hungry, we're done with the work, and then you know uh, go to bed by nine nine thirty. So that's kind I of the schedule. Yeah. I love that.
1: So boundaries, and I think that's huge. That's 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 great. And what would you say is one?
3: Yeah, I would say listening. You know, I think that's probably the biggest change that I've made in myself. You know, I was the CEO, founder in the family. But as we became a couple of founders and also started meditating, like listening to what she's saying and, you know, just pausing, not reacting. So I think there's a lot that goes into successful mm-hmm. business and personal life collaboration. Mm. And I, I'd say this to my friends. I'm like, oh, my wife is super smart. I actually didn't know that for all these years because I wasn't listening to her. I was listening to just myself, and now I listen to her. I'm like, oh, that's pretty smart. And like, so it's like my perception of Julie has changed dramatically. So I think listening has been key, and like realizing, oh, I'm pretty lucky
1: to have you know this person as my partner. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, I think I'm blushing now.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I, I think I think honestly, I can really relate to that too in terms of like doing this because I was usually on the other side of the spectrum. So when you're facilitating a conversation, that's why when you ask like, Hey, can you send over questions? And I was like, I've tried that, but then you get so attached to your questions Mm -hmm. and it's like, it's like, okay, you might've given me a golden nugget of a response that I want to continue with. I want to run away with that. But now I'm so confined and restricted by this rule book that I created. Um, so I think that's important because it forces you to be present and listen right. and, and active listening is, is so powerful. So I love that. Um, we're going to do a quick rapid fire section. okay? okay. Right. Really quick. Wait,
2: before we start, <laughs> yeah. just coincidence, active listening is our daily meditation today. Oh,
1: mm. nice. so. <laughs> I think there's just so much synchronicity. I, I, I think it's pretty obvious. Um, okay. Favorite emoji.
3: Um usually it's this thumbs up <laughs> like that's
1: my favorite emoji. Okay. <laughs>
2: the crazy face. <laughs>
1: the crazy face. I'm trying to think which that one or is.
2: Or the one that's like
1: Oh, like the shocked face? Like Yes, shocked face. Oh <laughs> my gosh. Not an okay. <laughs> okay, um biggest pet peeve. So many. <laughs>
3: what do you Pick think one. is
1: my pet peeve? No, oh, no,
3: no. No, no, no. Boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Why don't
2: you go next? Um, Let <laughs> me think about this. <laughs> people who chew with their mouth open—that's a big one for me. Ghosts me out. I'm sorry, people.
1: <laughs> mm, I'm 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 sometimes guilty of that. <laughs> I, I think I'm
3: the most annoying of all. So like, people should be annoyed by me. It's very hard for me to be annoyed by others.
1: <laughs> <That's> like, <not> <laughs> <true>. <laughs> okay. Okay. So what what's your biggest pet peeve? You said you had a bunch. Pick one. Hmm.
2: I'll suggest, I don't know if it's your biggest pet peeve, but D just kind of like goes in a flow of things and people who aren't like open and maybe interested in going along, he kind of gets a little peeved out by that. Okay. Spon- so spontaneous being, D here. Maybe
1: being too like rigid or like yeah, too rigid. stubborn yeah. or the need to be right, which I see a lot in a lot of people.
2: Yeah. <laughs> which I'm stubborn and need to be right all the time.
1: So. Yeah, we, yeah. We all have Even that. Him all the we time. all have that. Okay. Need to okay be right your about, favorite yeah. quality, <laughs> your favorite quality about each other. What's your if one thing that comes to mind about her? Yeah, oh, everything. Do you have another... amazing. <laughs> oh, something specific?
3: Um, I think she's uh, a really good human being. I, I always call her my good wifey. Like she's just a good, very good human being. Oh, so all across. Yeah. Is there one <laughs> thing
1: in particular that Julie does that like? I'm um, very loving. Okay.
3: And kind and you know
2: forgiving. Hmm. Um, I love his brilliance. Uh, I have from day one, truly an inventor, constantly thinking of incredible things. And from the day we've met, I've just been like, wow, his brain. And I just, I've always adored that about him.
1: That's (laughs) awesome. I love that. And, and, uh, I want to, I want to know what is one thing that each of you are currently working on Mm -hmm. in yourself.
3: In ourselves, um, So I have a purpose statement, which is called Better Than Yesterday. And I have a journal where I write, like, am I better than I was yesterday? And it's uh, friends and family. So I want to make sure I'm spending time with Julie and my friends. So I think in my previous life, I was just all about me, me, me. So I alienated a lot of my family and friends. And it was very materialistic ambition. So the biggest thing I'm working on is spending time, quality time with my friends and family. I think that's the one. And it's Mm. a constant work because... I remember that like I never called anybody they always called me Hmm. so now I'm calling people they're like weirded out like these calling me is something wrong (laughs) what happened and it's it's a it's a work in progress and it'll it'll be a work in progress for a while awesome
2: It's similar. For me, I've been working heavily on building more meaningful relationships, friendships especially. I was very isolated when I was younger, did it on my own. It wasn't anyone's intention or pushed me into that. But I just I was always a loner. I was just always on my own. I was kind of really just okay with it. Kind of the mm. person that just sure. And then as I got older, I realized, no, you need that support. So I've just been talking to my friends more, uh, Taking a step outside and meeting more people. Coming
1: Um, on random podcasts. Coming on
2: random podcasts. (laughs) It's actually true.
1: It's part of our, uh, you know, yeah.
2: It's been a a really great change for me in the last couple of years.
1: Mm, I love that. I love that you guys are continually growing and exploring (laughs) even more untapped potential because you guys have both accomplished so much, but you guys are really striving to impact the world's consciousness and I think that's very clear by just speaking to both of you and hearing the passion behind your words I know going into this you were a little concerned about the energy well we're like meditation people and you're like crazy dude um but you guys like seriously the way you guys speak about what you do and each other is really inspiring thank you and i'm super excited to just connect with you and Same. i'm really excited to see how we can collaborate how i can add some more value to to what you're doing with wellness coach i think there's a lot of cool concepts we could infuse and and yeah i'm so i'm so grateful for you guys coming on today
3: we're very grateful as well this has yes. been
2: awesome like thank you for having us
1: Appreciate Thank you. Thank you
2: so much for inviting us. Truly really a pleasure.
1: Yes. And you guys are in Bell Harbor. Uh, I'm in Sunny Island, so we're basically neighbors. Yep. Real quick, I want to know where people can connect with you and find out more info. Um, so where can listeners connect?
3: So uh, meditation.live, that's the website. Uh, I'm D, just D, at meditation.live.
2: And you'll find me on LinkedIn, Julie Sharma with Meditation Live. That's a great way to reach me. I'm all over LinkedIn, people. So...
1: Yes, LinkedIn king and queen. Guys, you already know what to do. It's time to inspire yourself, inspire those around you. You have such a massive impact to make in this world. You are here for a reason. I love you unconditionally. Thank you so much for listening all the way through to this episode. And
0: you already know what time it is. It's time to get off your ass and stand (laughs) up to sitting. Podcast fam. So many of you have reached out inquiring about one on one coaching with me, and I am so excited to announce that I'm finally opening up the doors to my new 12 week transformation program where I'll be working with you to take your energy heart health and mental cognition to the next level. So if you are interested in learning more about this program and how we can co-create some magic together, please make sure to visit www.thrivewithjeremy.com. Again, www.thrivewithjeremy.com. I can't wait to connect and take your health to the next level.